Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Hey, I want to welcome everybody joining today at all of our different campus locations. It is so good to be with you and everybody that's joining us online. God bless you. Would you help me welcome the men and the women of the United States Armed Forces joining in right now? God bless you guys. You know, a few months back, I was praying about these months and I was asking God, God, what is it that you want to speak over your church, over your people? And the first thing that the Holy Spirit said to me was tell them about me, the Holy Spirit. And so that's why over the last four weeks, we spent some time digging into the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, understanding what it means to be a spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ, How, what it means to every day pray, come Holy Spirit. And at the same time that the Holy Spirit mentioned that to me, God laid something else in my heart with the same amount of direction and clarity. And he said, Todd would teach my people about giving and generosity. That so many of them are bound up when it comes to this issue of money, that it ties them and keeps them from experiencing the joy of generosity that I have for each of them. So as your pastor, I'm asking you that with the same enthusiasm that we leaned in and said, come on, I wanna learn about the Holy Spirit, that right now we say, come on, I wanna learn about generosity and giving. And by the way, this isn't a message for the person sitting next to you. Ha, this is for you. And this is for me, because in the same way that you and I can grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, guess what? You and I can grow in our journey of generosity. It was Jesus who said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, once you say this with me out loud at all of our locations, wherever you are, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Say that again. It's more blessed to give than to receive. He was saying that you're actually gonna be more blessed, like happier as a person if you learn about how to be a giver and not just a getter. That there's actually a joy that comes when you understand generosity. And next week, we are gonna spend a lot of time talking about generosity, what generosity is, what it looks like, um, and why it is on the inside of you, because you are an image bearer. You have been made in the image of God. Did you know that? And God is a giver. He's the first giver. He so loved you that he gave his son Jesus. But before we can dive into generosity, we've gotta lay some foundations. And the foundation is, is stewardship. Now, now, stewardship is a word that we don't use a lot. It's kind of an old fashioned word. It doesn't uh, quite make sense a lot of the time uh, when, we're, when we're digging into that word. Um, and before we go there, you might be thinking, Todd, um, why are we talking about money? Seems like we always talk about money. Can I tell you, it's been actually over 18 months since I've taught on money. So it's actually long overdue. And if you're comfortable, uncomfortable about talking about money, you would be uncomfortable with a lot of Jesus's teachings. He actually taught a lot about money. Nearly half of the parables that he taught about had to do with money and possessions. In fact, Jesus taught more about money and possessions than he did about heaven and hell. Think about that. There's more scripture in this Bible about money and possessions than there is about faith, prayer, and love combined. So why, why would God devote that much time, that much ink on paper to talk to us about money and possessions unless he knows something that we don't know. 
that our possessions have the power to possess us. That, that what we own can actually own us and cause a lot of anxiety and stress in our lives and in our, in our marriages and in our families and relationships. And can I tell you, God wants you to have a peace of mind when it comes to money. And he wants you to see it the way that he sees money. And he sees it a lot differently than the way the world sees it. See, many of us are making daily financial decisions without any scriptural reference point. So it's, it's, it's not like that we are trying to resist what God says. We just don't know what God says. We don't know that he actually has a plan right here in, in this word for us. And so we're going to dig into that. But this series is called In God We Trust. And it's actually got a question mark after it. In God We Trust. Because on the dollar bill, you've all seen the dollar bill. On the back side, there's actually the words, In God We Trust, right there. I find it really ironic that the thing that we have the hardest time trusting God with has the words in God we trust right there on it. Do we really trust God? Or has this become the God that we have come to trust in? I think a lot of times, if we're honest, we trust in the paycheck to be in the bank account every two weeks. We trust in the company we work for. We might trust in our investment portfolios. We trust in our ability to, to make a sale or to close a deal. That's what, we, that's what we put our trust in. Rather than putting our trust in God. See, my inclination is to trust in Todd rather than trust in God. And part of the reason, part of the reason we feel that way is because what the world has taught us. The world has said, if we just get more of this, baby, we are gonna be happy, woo, baby. More of this is gonna bring happiness. More of this is gonna bring security. More of this is, is gonna bring um, a sense of significance to our life because people are gonna look at us and go, man, they must got it going on because they got a lot of this. And, and then we're gonna be very popular, man. They're gonna love us. We can make it rain. Woo, baby. Have fun. Don't worry. It's all fake. Everybody down at Boynton, you're not missing out on anything right there. Okay. Money tries to promise something that it cannot fulfill. Money tries to say, if you just get more of me, then you're gonna be happy. If you just get more of me, you're gonna feel significant. If you just get more of me, then your marriage and your relationships are gonna be, be solid. Can I tell you, money cannot provide that. Only God can provide that. Only God can give you a sense of significance and purpose. Only God can give you true joy and happiness on the inside and a sense of security. Only God can make your marriage great, not money. So as we dive into this today, I wanna, I wanna say this too. I'm not preaching this message to try to get you to give more. Although I believe as we understand the principles of stewardship and generosity, we will become a more generous people, but that's not why I'm preaching it. And I'm not preaching this today because the church is hurting for money. Like, oh, we can't make budget. Come on, y'all give a little extra. It's not why I'm preaching that. In fact, we, we have uh, been giving away more money this year than any other year that we've ever given money away. And we are doing fine as a church. We actually have all our debts paid off because we actually live by these principles. It's, it's amazing how this thing works. I'm preaching this series first because the Holy Spirit said to, but secondly, because I, I want us all, no matter where we are 
financially. You might be struggling with your finances or you might have more money than you know what to do with. I, I want us to see this the way God sees this. I want us to get over some hangups and some habits when it comes to money because we all got some hangups and habits when it comes to money. And I want us to experience the joy of generosity. I mean, the joy that comes when you actually are generous with what God has put in your hands. But as I said before, you, you can't start with generosity. You gotta start with the biblical foundation of stewardship, that old fashioned word. And at the root of that word stewardship is steward. And the definition of a steward is a careful and responsible manager of somebody else's property. A careful and responsible manager of somebody else's property. So that tells me that stewardship is way more than money. Money can be a part of stewardship, but stewardship is way more than money. It speaks to the the totality of our lives. How you care for everything God has put under your care. See, stewardship is really, when you think about it, it's, it's lordship. It answers the question, who's the Lord of my life? Who's the director of my life, the ruler of my life? Who's setting the tone for my life and the pace of my life? Is it me or is it God? And truth be known, we all like to be in control of our own lives, don't we? We like to be in control of other people's lives. We, we like to control a lot of things. We like to be, men self-made. We like to be independent. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We, man, it's like American individualism, baby. Come on. Is that even biblical? Have you ever stayed at somebody else's house? Maybe slept in their bed, ate their food, you know, looked in their medicine cabinet. Did you do that? <laughs> One time, Julie and I, uh, we went out to Colorado and we got to go skiing out there. And we had some friends that had a home, a vacation home. And they said, you can use our vacation home. So we stayed in this nice home right on the slopes. It was amazing. But the whole time we were there, Julie was like knocking my feet off the coffee table when we were watching a movie. I'm like, why? I do this at home. And then she wouldn't let me eat food in bed. I'm like, that's the best part of vacation, baby. <laughs> And and she wouldn't let me like lay my head on the pillows on the bed, those extra pillows that have little ruffles around them. And I'm like, they're pillows. She goes, that's not what they're for. Like they're pillows. She's like, Tata, this is somebody else's house. We have to take care of this. This isn't ours. And that's the reality of our life. Everything we have isn't ours. How are we caring for the things that God has put under our care. And Jesus wanted us to understand this. In fact, one of the parables that he taught that maybe you've heard before is found in Matthew 25. And since this word is alive and active, I'm asking that even if you know this story today, that you would say, Holy Spirit, what do you wanna speak new in my life today? Let me read to us out of Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Now a talent is a sum of money worth about 20 years of a laborer's job. So 20 years of of salary, that's what he gave in one talent. Then he went away, the one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded them and made five more. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more. But the one who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more. Saying, master, you handed me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. 
He goes on, the servant with the two, he came back, he goes, look, I made two more. And, and the servant of the one had a totally different response. Verse 24, master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seeds. So I was afraid. I was, I was afraid of the economy. I was afraid that something would happen. I, I was afraid about a rainy day coming. So I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. The master gets mad and he rebukes this this slave and takes the one away from him and gives it to the guy that had the 10 talents and throws this worthless slave out. Now notice that that last guy said, I was afraid. I was afraid, so I hid it in the ground. I wonder how much has been hidden in the ground because of fear. I wonder what you haven't done because you've been afraid of failing. You've been afraid, so you haven't tried. You've been afraid of what other people would think, so you just haven't even, you haven't even stepped out with what God has already put on the in, inside of you. you are, you're almost afraid to use it because you're afraid you might lose it. I believe it's time to get some shovels out, dig up whatever you've been buried, and get ready to use it for God. I believe there's a few things here that Jesus wants us to learn in this parable. The reason he's telling this story. And the first is very simple, very clear, but very important. God owns it all. All of it is God. Remember, this is the story of the kingdom of heaven. So this, this man that's going away is representing God or Jesus who is God. And it says he entrusted his property to his slaves. It wasn't their property. It wasn't their talent, their money. It was, it was the master's money. It was, it was his. So if if God owns it all, how much do you own? It's not a trick question. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, if God owns everything, then, then I don't own anything. God, God created it all. He, was, he made it all. So it's, it's, it's all his. First Chronicles 29, 11 says, everything in heaven and earth is yours, O Lord. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. Psalm 24, verse one, once you say this one with me out loud, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all you live in it, all of you that live in it, you are, that's you. So you, you don't even belong to you, right? In Corinthians, Paul reminds us that we are not our own, we've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. So it's logical if we belong to God, then everything that we have belongs to God. Everything that we are, might be, belongs to God. And yet we tend to think of things as ours, right? So today we're gonna get in our cars and go to our houses and we're gonna eat our food. But have you ever thought, where did that metal come from in your truck or your car? Who made that metal? Where that came out of God's earth, right? That, that house you're going to, um, the wood and the stone and the concrete that it's made out of, who, who made all that? God. You didn't make it. You didn't grow that tree. Right? That, that food you're gonna eat, who made the rain fall down on that, that food and the sun to shine down on it so it would, it would grow so you could eat it? Who, of course, God. God, God. God made it all, so it's all his. And you may say, well, now, wait a minute, Todd. Hold up, because I paid a lot of money for that car. 
paid a lot of money for that new truck I just got. I, hey, I paid a lot of money for that house, that apartment. I, 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 earned, I earned it. That's, that's mine. Well, I thought you might think that because I thought that. Look at this verse in Deuteronomy chapter eight. Look what it says, Deuteronomy. When you become successful, don't say I'm rich and I've earned it all myself. Instead, remember that the Lord your God, look at that, gives you the strength to make a living. So even your ability to get out of bed and breathe some air and have some creativity and get to work and do what you do to create, to make a living, all of that, it all comes from God. So it's all, it's all God's. It all belongs to him. When I turned um, 16, my parents uh, gave me a car. Now I went to a school where every student, it was a small private school, got a car when they turned 16. Wasn't a question of if you got a car, you got a car. And most of them got Trans Ams, they got like BMWs, they got like all these. So I got a car and I showed up to school on my 16th birthday and they asked me, hey Mullins, what car did you get? Notice they didn't say, did you get a car? They said, what car did you get? I said, hey, I got, I got a vet. They're like, you got a vet? I'm like, yeah, I got a vet. They're like, whoa, man, you go fast? I'm like, well, I'm not too fast. They're like, you got a Corvette? I said, no, 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 I got a Chevette. <laughs> For everybody who's uh, under 40 years old, you can look it up on Google. It's not pretty. <laughs> but it got me around, right? Got me from where I needed to go, right? Point A to point B. But the point is that that Chevette that I wish was a Corvette, my mom and dad gave that to me. They owned that car. I didn't own that car. They paid for that car. They paid the insurance on that car. They gave it to me to use. And while I used it, I had to keep it cleaned. I had to keep it filled up with gas. I had to keep the oil changed in it. There were some responsibilities I had that came with that car. I had to run some errands every once in a while for mom or take my sister to piano practice if I needed to help out. So there were some things I had to do with what had been given to me. Can I tell you, it is the same today with every good thing in your life. It has been given to you by God to manage. It's not yours, it's not mine. It belongs to somebody else. So how are we managing what's his? God owns it all. The second truth that jumps out to me in this story is that, that you have been gifted. You have, you have been gifted. In this story, all three servants are introduced as gifted. In spite of their background, their position as slaves, they were all introduced in the story as gifted. Now, not equally gifted. One was given five, one was given two, and the other was given one. No reason for them to be jealous because they all have more than they had before, which tells me there's no reason for you to compare your gifting with somebody else's gifting. It's like people that compare how they've been gifted with other people's gifts are never satisfied with their gifts and never tend to use their gifts to the fullest potential. So don't be comparing yourself with who's got five and who's got two and what do I have? And you may look at this story and think, why would God give one person five and one person two and one person one? Isn't God just? Yes, God is just. He's just not fair. <laughs> and you need to thank God that God's not fair. Because if God was fair, you would not receive the mercy and the compassion and the kindness and the love and the grace that we get from God. But he is just, which means he will do what is right. And it says that he gave to each according to their 
ability. Can I tell you, you are going to be handed what you can handle? You are handed what you can handle. And you better thank God that he doesn't hand you something you can't handle. God, don't hand me five if all I can handle is two. Don't give me two if right now all I can handle is one. Don't, don't give me that job or that promotion or that thing. Don't give me that, that. I might have prayed for it, but God, don't give it to me if I can't handle it, if it's gonna drive me crazy. Make me have a nervous breakdown. I don't, I don't want it. I wanna, I wanna handle what I've been handed. So the question is, what are you doing with what you've been handed? Now in this story, remember a talent isn't an ability. It actually is a sum of money that is equal to 20 years wages by a common worker, which in today's money transfers to about $1.4 million. So don't be feeling sorry for the dude that only got one, right? Anybody want 1.4 million to go home with today, right? It's right here on the floor, come pick it up. Yeah, he was given a lot to work with. So have you. God has, God has gifted you with more then you know, how are you handling what you've been handed? Now, when we talk about stewarding what we've been given, we could talk about time because we've all been given time on the planet. Not the same amount of time, not the same number of days, but we have today. How are you doing managing your days? How are you maximizing the moments that God has given to you? Because when the Bible talks about time, it rarely talks about time in chronological time, like tick-tock, tick-tock, hours, minutes. It actually is kairos time, which is a time that is pregnant with opportunity. Every day filled with God opportunities. When it comes to stewarding our time, we could talk about your talents the way we think about talents, like, like, a, like abilities, our capacity to be productive. And your capacity is different than my capacity, but we all have capacity to be productive, right? We all, my, my abilities are different than your abilities, but can you hear me? You have a responsibility for your abilities. What are you doing with what you've been given? And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says that God has given each one of us, each of you, some special abilities. Make sure that you're using them to help each other out. Yeah, we could talk about time. We could talk about talents, but in this story, this parable, where Jesus is actually talking about the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about time or talents. He's talking about treasure. And you may think, oh, well, good, because I don't have much of that. I'm good. But the truth is, if you have some loose change in your house today, somewhere in a drawer or under the bed, you got some money stuck around. If you've, got, uh, if you've got more food in your house than you could possibly eat today, and you've got more than three pairs of shoes in your closet, Julie, you are considered among the top wealthiest people in the world. So you've got treasure. The question is, what are we doing with it? If it all belongs to God and we're his managers, how are we spending his stuff? I was talking with a friend this week who he's contemplating what car he's going to get. And we actually got this conversation turned around to the the point that every spending decision is actually a spiritual decision. When you really understand that everything you have comes from God, so it belongs to God, that every spending decision, do I need those shoes, do I need that purse, do I need that thing, do I need that? Every spending decision becomes a spiritual decision. I wonder how many times we've spent something that belongs to God without even asking him what he thinks about it. 
Remember that Psalm 24 says that everything in the earth belongs to the Lord. In, in a book called Haggai, in chapter two, verse eight, it says, God says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord, it's all mine. See, when I grew up, my parents taught me about this biblical foundational truth of tithing, which means that first 10% of any money I got was holy. The Bible says it's holy, it's set apart for God. So what that meant when I was a kid, if I got $10 for my birthday, I took $1 and I took it into Sunday school and put it in the offering. When I got $50 one year for my birthday, woo, it's a lot of money for a kid. I took $5 and brought that in. When, it, when, I, when I got $100, wow, 10, that was a lot of money, but it was the same principle. That first 10% is, is holy and it belongs to God. But I used to think that as long as I gave God his 10%, I could do whatever I wanted to do with the other 90%. But if it all belongs to God, I was wrong. See, that's where stewardship comes in. It, it's not just about the 10%. It's like, God, what do you want to do with all of it? Like the, the other 90%, what, what do you want? Where do you want it to go? Direct it. It'd be like if you sat down with a financial planner to invest some money with them. That financial planner would ask you one, one question. Every financial planner that you go to to invest money with, they're going to ask you this one. They've been trained to ask you this one question. What are your goals? See, they need to know what your goals are to help you accomplish what you want to accomplish with your money because it's, it's your money. And the same is true with God. We're like his money managers that he's entrusted with us. And so we need to ask him that question, God, what is your goal? What do, you, what do you want to have happen with the things you've, you've given me? Yes, my time and my abilities and talents, but, but the resources that you've put in my hand and in my life, what do you want done with it? What's your heart? Well, we know that, that God loves people more than anything. I mean, that goes without saying. And Jesus, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, begins to unpack what some of his goals are. Look what it says here. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves, look at that phrase, treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So Jesus is saying in this, this passage, it's not wrong to build up treasures on earth, it's just stupid. Not because wealth might leave you, but because wealth will always, listen to me, always leave you. It either leaves you while you're still living because of some downturn in the economy that you can't control or you leave it when you die. That's why you never see a Hertz pulling a U-Haul into the graveyard. You can't take it with you. But Jesus is saying we can send it on ahead, that we can actually build up for ourselves, it says here, words of Jesus, treasure in heaven by investing in God's kingdom on earth now. What Jesus is saying is that biblical stewardship, what we're unpacking these weeks, man, this is smart. This is like an eternal retirement account. Like that you get to enjoy for all of eternity. Some of you have an IRA, you need an ERA. You need an eternal retirement account. You need to be investing in the ERA. You need to care a whole lot more about your ERA than your IRA because the ERA has Eternal impact goes on forever and ever. God owns it all. You've been gifted. And, and the last truth I want to unpack today 
is that God is expecting a return on his investment. Very clear in this story, God is expecting a return. Remember, Jesus is telling us this story to help us see what the kingdom of God is like. Like this master that's coming back, can I tell you, Jesus is coming back. In a twinkling of an eye, when the trumpet is gonna sound and the eastern sky is gonna part, Jesus is coming back when we least expect it. And I expect it's gonna be soon. And when he returns, he's expecting a return on his investment in you. Think about when you invest in a stock or a company. You are looking for the return on that investment. You wanna see what it's gonna return. Every month or every quarter, you're looking at the paperwork, you're going, was that a good investment? Did my portfolio increase or did it decrease? Would I invest more money there or less money there? In the same way, God is looking to you and me. He's going, I wanna see a, a return on the investment I'm putting in your life. See, one day I believe that we will all stand before God and God's gonna ask us two questions. What did you do with my son? And what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with my son, Jesus? His love, his mercy, his invitation into a relationship with him. And what he did on the cross. What did you do with my son? And and then what did you do with what I gave you in your life? See, the church is here to help you answer those two questions right. That's why we exist. We wanna wanna help you know God, grow in your relationship with God and with God's family, discover your purpose in life so that you can make a difference with your life. We, We want you to be able to say, I knew Jesus personally and I grew in that relationship with him every day and I learned what it meant to walk with him and know him in a personal way. And if you don't know him that way, I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a minute to to let you start that relationship or maybe get it restarted today. But secondly, we we want you to live the best life that God has for you to live, like more potential in life than you ever thought is inside of you. And we we want that to come out, man. We want you to make a difference with your life, which is why we have so many opportunities and classes and, and group studies to help you grow and discover who you are and walk in the freedom and life that God has for you. But only you can get into that, that vein. Only you can, can take those classes and, and say, okay, I want, I want help. And in this area of, of financial freedom, some of you, I believe, are going, I wanna know what it means to trust God in this area, Todd, but I don't know where to start. Our team has pulled together some amazing resources in this series of of articles and some free material from Dave Ramsey and some some things that you can read over that we've been reading over that will help you understand, get some a biblical perspective over finances and get some freedom in your life. And if you want any of that, man, all you gotta do is text the word trust to 441-441, you'll have access to all of that. Some of you need to take Financial Peace University. That class is uh, just starting up right now. I mean, you need, you need to understand the peace that God wants to give you in this area of your life. He doesn't want you strapped. Man, you can, you can walk in freedom. And this isn't just for people struggling. Although if you are struggling, you'll be amazed how you'll walk in freedom. We've helped thousands of people get out of debt and walk in freedom just by applying these principles. But it's for all of us to get over some hangups and habits we have when it comes to money. But most of all, I want you to hear those words that were spoken over those good servants. It says this, verse 21, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy 
in a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Don't you want to hear those words? Don't you want to hear the word trustworthy? You've been trustworthy. Now I know this, this series is called In God We Trust? Question mark. Do we trust God? But maybe a better question is, can God trust us? I want to challenge you with one thing today. I want you to ask God, sometime today, sometime this week, God, am I trustworthy? When it comes to what you've put in my life, in my hands, am I, am I trustworthy? In the area of finances, am I trusting in you or have I put my trust in something of this world that will let me down? And did allow the Holy Spirit, who we've been studying for the last four weeks, to speak to you. And I know he will. Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you for your word that teaches us and helps us to understand truth so that we can walk in life and freedom in every area of our life. And in this area of finance, God, I know that so many of us get so bound up because we've been taught incorrectly by the ways of the world. I pray that you would bring revelation through your word and through your spirit to every person that is open before you today and just says, teach me, God, teach me, Holy Spirit. Help me to trust you and help me to be trustworthy with what you've given me. With every head bowed, as we continue to pray, if you're here today, and when I talked about that relationship with Jesus, you, you realize you don't have that relationship with Jesus. You might have grown up going to church, but you didn't know that you could have this relationship with him that grows deeper and deeper day by day, or maybe your relationship isn't where it needs to be. I wanna lead you in this second prayer, and this prayer is for you to get that relationship right. And if you would say, Todd, would you include me in this prayer right where you're seated? Would you just raise your hand up? Yeah, hold it up high, all over the room, hold it up high. Be, be proud that you want everything Jesus wants to put into your life right now. We're all gonna pray this prayer out loud, but those of you with your hands up, this is your prayer, so you pray it a little bit louder. Just say this after me, say, Dear Lord Jesus, Come into my life, forgive me of all my sins, make me a new person from the inside out. Fill me with your joy, give me your peace, and fill my life with purpose. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you help me thank God today for all those that made that decision? Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.